indeed. Episode 16. Back in the building. Forget my rhyming. But it's Drake Hills. Plugged in a National Soccer Podcast. We are better with rhyming. Y'all better with rhyming. Whatever. You know, we are back. This is important. This This is is my favorite time of the week. Nicholas Gray, co-host, Drake Hills here, talking, giving you a little bit of an update on the latest of John Cadiz, the latest National SC signing, third designated player, and a striker reinforcement for a injury-ridden National SC attacking line. But first, we got to check in and see what with Nick. Nick, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing. I'm doing good. I, I'm awake, and uh, thing, things are going well. Another another week of an Everton win in the League Cup. So I, I'm in a good spot. To, yeah, another another I'm, week for James Rodriguez to right to, to show produce, produce produce goals. It's nice to see. But uh, it was also weird not to have a midweek game. I have to say. I'm sitting there Wednesday, uh, the game one of the NBA Finals pops up, and I'm like, well, wait a minute. I'm supposed to have a Nashville SC game, right? Well, no, I'm not, because they got a scheduled reprieve as they get into the uh, meat of this in this next phase, and uh, it's about to come really quickly, these games. That's right. You know, October is going to be, obviously, the gauntlet of phase two and, you know, to be honest, the full 2020 season, as you got National SC, you got nine games left. Eight of them are in October with decision day coming November 8th for National SC to travel to Orlando City. But we're recording this on Friday, one day ahead of National SC traveling to Gillette Stadium in Foxborough to face New England Revolution. With this episode, we'll be talking, of course, about John Cadiz, who arrived in Nashville Tuesday, obviously will be subjected and probably is on his second day, or should I say the third day of his quarantine after traveling in from Portugal. And he'll likely be in quarantine for 10 days. I was expecting 14 days, but it seems based off of what Alex Will had to do, albeit you know he was traveling domestically from New York, it seems like other teams like Inter-Miami bringing in Blaise Matuidi, from Juventus, as well as Gonzalo Liguain. Uh, both of those players coming in from Europe and of Italy, of course, um, they were on the same schedule. So it seems like 10 days will be the, the magic number. And then, of course, we'll be talking about what Yonder's, hopefully his first impression will be, what he wants it to be, what Nashville SC needs it to be, and when will that impression come? When will Yonder make his debut for National C, and then and obviously finally with the secondary transfer window and MLS closing very soon, we'll be talking about Nashville's doings up to this point, but also just taking a look at some of the rumors, foolish or not, and obviously what the January, the winter window will look like, the primary window uh, will be for Nashville C. But we'll get straight to it. Yonder arrives Tuesday. There was a a long wait, of course. They signed him almost a month ago, about two and a half weeks, three weeks ago. I believe it was September 8th. They announced the signing Nashville SC. And he spent in a conversation with uh, Gary Smith on Thursday about Yonder. He said that Yonder had been working out with a couple of of, uh, 
specialist out there in Portugal for the past couple of weeks, just awaiting to get his visa, which was really the, the true hindrance for, for Yonder to make it stateside. He needed his visa, his P1 visa as well as, uh, which I believe he received a lot quicker, which is international uh, transfer certificate to U.S. soccer, of course, uh, and playing in U.S. soccer. So he arrived 10 days. I believe it should be about eight days to go now. That will leave Yonder being released out of quarantine the day before uh, National SC goes up against Sporting Kansas City on the road. Uh, here's what Gary Smith has to say about where he saw Yonder when he met him on Wednesday and what he expects in terms of Yonder's first training session, when that will come, and obviously when Gary hopes to have him in the squad. I can't tell you exactly where he's at physically, although you know we, we, have, um, we have some feedback on where he's been and how he's been working uh, in Portugal. Um, he looks in good shape. First time I've seen him, um, he's one of those type of, of athletes and players that doesn't carry an awful lot of weight. So, you know, he certainly looks in a nice place. Um, he'll be in the group next week. And, you know, the, the hope is that, you know, he's, uh, he's not far away from starting immediately. Um, I, I won't know until we, we actually get underway and get him in the group. He's got work to be done away from the group. Um, as we speak at the moment, uh, because of, of the circumstances, current COVID circumstances. But, um, you know, I'm fingers crossed that the way he looks, you know, reflects on the way that he trains immediately. And I, w- I would look forward immensely to having him in the group, you know, almost immediately. It seems a little bit more optimistic. It seems that Gary is very much in the driver's seat of making sure that they're in control uh, and probably bringing in Yonder in a little bit earlier than possibly, you know, any other international signings. It, it didn't take Blaise Matuidi to get in, to get in uh, as quick. It seemed like, you know, he was in, he quarantined, and then within a, you know, a few days of training, you know, he went up against, I believe the natural game was his first game. That's right. When, when I believe that was September sixth, the one in Miami, right? The one in Miami, the draw. Yeah, that was not. That was uh, September sixth. That was a Sunday. That was indeed zero, zero a Sunday. Draw. That was very much a uh, on a, on the attacking side. That was a dismal uh, attacking performance, not only for Nashville SC but also for Miami. But Blaze Matuidi, obviously coming from international, uh, was able to to get in in that situation. Um, now I'm taking a look at Yonder, obviously. Nashville SC will be playing a few games before then, right? So you've got you've got uh, New England Revolution on the road. That is October third. Now, this will be helpful to the current injured-laden Nashville SC schedule, right? Because you have Abu Danladi who is out, but is said, according to Gary Smith, to be probably the lead of those guys recovering. You also have Dominic Baji who. The club is, has, you know, this week has still tried to find out the, the severity of his injury. They know what it is now. Uh, it seems to be a lower body, somewhat of a hamstring injury for, for Baji. But it, it seems as if the timetable is still very fluid. And it, it doesn't seem like Don Baji will be able to make his return Saturday. Uh, and, and what we could say is kind of a home ground for him. He kind of grew up there 
after moving in from Senegal. So he won't be he won't be available then. Abu Dunlady won't be available. It doesn't seem like David Akam will be available Saturday. Daniel Rios, it seems that there's a possibility, although I, I would expect that as we were recording this, the realization of whether Daniel will be playing or not is being made as we speak. So you're you're having a lot of you're having a lot of guys. That's pretty much every striker or uh, forward that has the ability to play striker. Very unlucky, yes. Very unlucky for for that group. But going back to the schedule, you've got DC. You got DC. Not excuse me. Not DC United. You got New England Revolution, and of course you play Minnesota United Tuesday, October sixth, and then you have that gap again, right? I mean, it's not as a big of a gap as you know Saturday to Saturday like it was this week. But after National C plays at home That's against four Minnesota days. on Tuesday, yeah, you've, well, actually you've got five days because that Sporting Kansas City game is a Sunday. On Sunday, yeah. And it is on the road, so that is certainly something to, to account for. But, you know, in that period of time, if Yonder had got in on what is that, that would have been the 29th of September. So you're, 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 you're really looking at – him, you know, getting in maybe a training session before that Sporting Kansas City game. Does he get into that Sporting Kansas City game? I don't think so, uh, but he will most certainly. I would, I, would, I would suggest that he does get at least one, if not two, training sessions in on October 9th and October 10th before Nashville C go play Sporting Kansas City October 11th. Now, here's the thing for me. I think that at the latest, Yonder Cadiz will be appearing, whether it be a full debut or as a sub, he will be appearing in that match at home against FC Dallas, October 20th. It makes a lot of sense, right? Because but the earliest, I would say, though, especially coming off the short turnaround, Nashville SC plays Sporting Kansas City on that Sunday, October 11th, and they have to go back to Houston. They have to go back to the Midwest right, and go up against Houston – at very little stadium on the very road, little time to have a team training session in between, uh, you know. Indeed, but also Tuesday. it's going to be very little time for those guys to recover. It's going right. to be tough. You've got a six thirty central kickoff in Kansas City. You know, you might not be able to get back to Nashville until about twelve thirty or so, one o'clock. You you have a regen session. You know, let's say ten or eleven o'clock in the morning. Uh, hours later, right? And, and so you don't yeah. really get a chance to have a full on training session until that Tuesday, October 13th. Right. And then you have to go travel back to Houston to play the, the 14th. And I just think in terms of getting guys back to full energy and full fitness, it's going to be tough. And so I think Yonder, he could very much get into that, that game at Houston, October 14th against Houston Dynamo. It's, I think that's the window for Yonder is – the 14th against Houston or the 20th against Dallas. Either way, it's going to be a Texas, going to be a Texas opponent. Yeah, you, you know, at, for you know, looking at the schedule, you know, I, so this is a move really for 2021, of course. But the neat, the striker, you know, the lack of numbers at striker now, and for and most any of the forward positions really. Uh, makes this a, a, a necessity for those last those final five game five or six games. That's that's just a difficult ask. To, you know, difficult ask for a guy who's going to have to get acclimated both to the country and to the the physical play 
of MLS. Um, not not saying that the leagues he was in weren't weren't physical, but this is a uh, this is going to be a challenge. You know, that's good that you're talking about more than likely four games at least without Yonder Cadiz, which means and and you're likely you know if it's a hamstring issue for Dominique Baji, is that what you said? Yeah, so that, that's what it, that's what it's appeared to be. They to haven't be, given yeah. a disclosure on it just yet. So that's probably something that holds him out at least through Minnesota, I would think. If it's if it's some type of uh, of strain or or you know depending on how you know bad of a strain it is. Yeah, I mean he only played twenty minutes. For, yeah, it could hold him out for probably for it could hold him out for the rest of the regular season, depending on how bad that strain is. So. That's that's a tough ask, but he's gonna have to. You know, it's a, it's born out of necessity that he's gonna have to be ready to play sometime during this last month of the season. Uh, and, and that's gonna be tough, right? If you did, yeah, it's unfortunate the, for up going up against DC United that Wednesday, which was indeed you know a good result for Nashville. They were able to edge out the one nil win September twenty third. But Dom again, Dominique only played twenty minutes. Uh, that that doesn't look good. He started that match and he had to come off early. And you know that, that that's that's not something you want to see. Obviously, he hasn't appeared since then. And again, that that I would when you said necessity, I think that answers. That's I think both of our answers to the question of how bad does Nashville SC need Cadiz right now? Both in numbers and in quality, right? Right, right, exactly. Uh, to have a fresh body and then also, of course to have a top striker that you can lead with in that 4-2-3-1, that 4-2-3-1 shape. And I think the, the other question, I think more of a sidebar question I would have, and this could be silly. I mean, I don't think it is, but it's certainly something to, to maybe, I guess, brush upon is how much of the COVID-19 season in this regular season restart, how much of an effect is that on an international player, especially a, a DP, someone that you're dependent on? Uh, that I think that's a, some question that you could possibly ask for Matuidi and Gonzalo Higuain in Miami, another expansion side. But, but also, those are two different quality of players. Yeah, that's understandable, but it's still it's still a player having to come in. Sure. No season that is an international player taking the international roster spot, also taking up a DP spot and expect to kind of be one of the, one of, you know, one of your best players. Does the, does the pandemic season hinder their settlement? Does it advance their settlement? Does it not have any effect at all? That's a good question. Yeah. And that'd be something that one of those, one of those two players would have to answer, you know, there, there isn't much time for settlement, right? I guess that's part of it is that so you're saying you're I'm saying, saying he's going to have he's going to have if if we say that Dallas is going to be it he's going to have five or six games in a 3 week span and so you have you better get settled before then or else you're not going to get settled until next season right I don't know. I, I wouldn't want to make that jump. I would say that if, if Cadiz can get, especially if he gets in at a home game, right? I mean, you're taking a look at, again, it's going back to kind of like another six-day span 
uh, of just simply training, right? You, you probably get back late, you know, late night, Wednesday, October 14th, early hours of October 15th. Maybe Kadiz, if he doesn't play against Houston, he gets in with the guys who didn't play on that 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock training session. So he can get uh, a session in on the 15th, 16th, 17th, 18th, and 19th. That's five days of training in addition to training that he's already had in the and you know, from now, from now up until that point. You know, that, that could help him as well, right? Especially if they're not traveling him. If he can just focus on, on you know, obviously for National SC, the guys who don't travel – I don't think a lot of people understand this for the, the guys who are not in the 18 sure. or, the, yeah, no. or the 20 man or the 20 man traveling contingent for Nashville SC on away games. They are at the facilities on game days. Sure. And so you can count those as training days as well. And because Nashville SC is going back to back road games in mid October against Sporting Kansas City and Houston, if they don't travel cutties, if they just say, we're just going to be conservative and have him start against Dallas. But until then, we'll keep him at the facilities. We'll keep him training. Think about that. Once he gets out of quarantine, let's say October 9th, he's got pretty much the 9th or the 19th. So he's got 10 straight sessions, right? Right. Or 10 straight days. I don't know if he's going to take a day off in one of those days or not. We don't know that. But that'll certainly kind of help him get physically there and, and maybe even mentally kind of get him into this, this space of, okay, I'm in MLS now. I'm not playing in Liga Nos in Portugal. I'm not playing in Liga in France. I'm here in, in Major League Soccer, and I'm getting ready to play uh, for Nashville SC. Now, that could most certainly help. Uh, now, if they do need him, let's say Baji's going to be out. Let's say Don Lottie is taking a little bit more time to return. David Akam is, is still not 100% fit. Maybe they want him for the Houston game because Rios will hopefully be back and he will have likely played a full 90 against Sporting Kansas City. So, I mean, you're going to need somebody to kind of be a reinforcement unless you want to play a false nine with Derek Jones or Hani Mukhtar against Houston. I mean, that could be a situation as well. For me to answer my own question, I will say – I think it's it's a fluid situation, but if I had to choose, I certainly think it hinders, not because of the atmosphere, not because of the mentality, but because of the schedule. Yeah. Look, look at the the turnarounds when you when you are playing back to back on the road, you're only getting three days in between, or excuse me, really it's two days. Um and I, and I get it when when they get out of that when they get out of that mid October stint, you know it's going to help uh, because you know they don't play for six days, and then they have three days in between the uh, you know two home games. So they play Tuesday, October twentieth against Dallas, and then they're back at home on that Saturday against New England Revolution. You know that that's going to help. You don't have to travel, and then you know they do have to go on the road to. Uh, they're going to play at Red Bull Arena in New York to face uh, Montreal. And so pretty much by the time they hit that Dallas match, they're pretty much every three days, every three to four days, and, you know, for the rest of the month anyway. So that's going to be tough. But I certainly think that the how the schedule is set up, it certainly doesn't help international players have a seamless transition unless they just can catch on naturally. 
Uh, and we're going to have to wait and see if Cadiz can do that. I think my last point on that, and you, you're correct, I agree with that. And really, MLS, you know, they have to consider what they have to consider when, they, when you're talking about trying to get the season in at a reasonable number of games in a reasonable amount of time. Uh, you know, that's, that's probably one of the few things that they're not necessarily putting – it's not high on the list of, of things MLS considered when making up the schedule is how international players are – going to be able to settle in with their teams. I think every, I don't, I don't think teams are going to be going to be fooling themselves. It's anything other than these kinds of moves are going, you know, they helped this year. That's great. These are definitely moves for, for next year. Uh, My last point is, and I'm getting this off of transfermarket.com. The last time Yonder Cadiz played more than an hour and game was was uh, December twenty first of twenty nineteen in League One. Well, and, then you, and that's in a league match, and you have that, and then you have uh, a couple other games in the France Cup in January and February that he played the full ninety. But other than that, that is you know Fe- February twelfth against PSG, he played ninety minutes in a loss. Um. So February 12th, 12th of 2020 is the last time he played a full 90, and he wasn't playing consistent minutes since uh, December 21st of 2019. I'm not saying he can't do it, and he's going to have every opportunity, I feel like, to do it and to, to play a lot in the last three weeks of the season and also put in goals so that he will have – I assume he will have that opportunity – but he he hasn't done it in almost a, a year's time. So, but I, I think that's got to be when you think about putting this in context. You know, this is a guy that hasn't played consistent football in in about eight months' time. So that that has to be part of the context when trying to talk about Yonder Cadiz and what he can do in a short amount of time and trying to get fit. Not only get fit, but as, as National SC knows with the rest of its forward group, stay fit. That's going to be important, too. Well, now, that, as, as you were talking, the injury report just came out for National SC. This is, the list, this is the list of not medically cleared players for National SC going up against New, the New England Revolution. David Akam, Dominic Baji, Abu Dunladi, Alex Muil. Oh. Daniel Rios. Those are the attackers. They also are without or will be without Jimmy Madronda and Ken Tribbett, of course, who have pretty much been out for the past, yes. you know, for Tribbett, like the past month. But Madronda has pretty much been out since the restart. Um, now, the New England Revolution will be without Carlos Gill. So that will take a lot of the, you know, the punch out of or somewhat of a punch uh, out of, you know, for, for New England Revolution. Obviously, they have Gustavo Boas still, who it, I would expect to start uh, for, for New England. But the, New England is also without Luis Salcido, um, Alexander Butner. But still, you pretty much, for National C, have no strikers available. And it's, it's looking more and more likely that Hani Mukhtar or Derek Jones or both will have to be uh, kind of the front line for National SC. So, you know, that, that's, that's certainly something that 
Now, I would be concerned, you know, based off of we, – we may very well see what, you know, Nashville SC was doing in preseason with their formations uh, up against Cincinnati. I believe that was uh, mid-February. I believe it was February 16th going up against Cincinnati at IMG Academy in Bradenton, Florida. They had Derek Jones, Derek Jones starting up up there as a false nine. Uh, Honey Mukhtar was in that side as well. Derek Jones did score from the penalty spot, I believe, uh, or scored nonetheless. But it's pretty much going to have to be something like that. Uh, But in terms of Cadiz, I'll leave it on an optimistic note that, you know, the reality is Nashville SC is likely to be a playoff team unless they just absolutely botch October I think they get into a play-in spot, which means seeds seven through 10, which will have a play-in, uh, you know, seven will go up against 10, I believe, and eight will go up against nine. I could be wrong about that seeding, but they will have to have a play-in before they get into the first round of MLS Cup Eastern Conference playoffs. I expect him to be in one of those, you know, final, you know, seven through 10 spots. And that will be not for another week and a half or something like that after the regular season ends. And so that's even more time for Cadiz to settle in because I would expect that he would very well be into the team by then, into the starting 11. And that's just more time for Cadiz to settle in for Nashville SC. Now, go ahead. Yeah, and they got to this point with uh, nobody scoring more than two goals. So I I don't think you can base, you know, while you hope that Cadiz has it, gives you a boost in those last three, four weeks, you know, you, you've, you've managed this, this far so far and gotten yourself into a pretty solid position on, in context with nobody else really scoring more than two goals other than Daniel Rios. So it, it shouldn't, it shouldn't, it, as you said, and, and that, and as anyone, you know, this is a team who isn't going to win or, you know, who isn't going to try to give up goals and they're going to try to be persistent and they're going to try to be as structured and as defensively sound as possible. And uh, I don't think the striker really makes the difference in that. Now the striker could make differences in whether or not they win and win games or in zero, zero draws, but that uh, they're going to be a tough out and a tough uh, not to crack as they've been throughout the season. Yeah. Well, moving on to obviously the secondary transfer window is will will be uh, closing Monday, October fifth, and Nashville see obviously have welcomed in Alex Wheel as we mentioned who will be out Saturday against the Revolution. However, he has been pretty much seen as the opposite winger uh, with Randall, Randall Leal. Leal is – he and Leal kind of swapped uh, Leal sometimes on the right, sometimes on the left, and Mule will be on the opposite wing. Uh, Did you Mule expect has, Alex Mule to play this much when he was – I think I think that once you put Cadiz into the fold, uh, I certainly think Mule will have to compete with Baji and with uh, – you know, it, it seems like Akam has kind of fallen out of favor with 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 Smith, just in terms of kind of being beaten out by Demladi and by Baji, it seems like but once it's also Cadiz, injuries too. It seems once Cadiz comes into the fray, 
it will be it will, it will likely be Baji outright, and I know Baji won't like that because he, you know, was he's obviously he gives the right answer when you ask him, but you he obviously wants to be up front, and sure. that's that's his position, and it just doesn't seem unless Smith wants to change his shape of a four two three one, Baji will be the starting right winger, unless you know Moil just decides to to be just you know, top of the top. But the one thing that Baji gives you that Will does, does not, in my eyes, obviously is a lot more of an attacking threat. Sure. He is physically faster, stronger, and gives you an air. He's not much of an aerial guy. I haven't, you haven't seen Baji really done much of the air, but he, you know, credit to both of them for pretty much, you know, being, you know, a guy who puts a lot of pressure on the ball. Obviously, Will is much more of a, of a skillful defender as a winger, as an attacker, than, than Baji is. But it just seems like Baji would be a lot more of a, of a danger going forward. And so, you know, Moil ha- is certainly in a position where he probably has the right and has the opportunity to compete for a starting spot. And that definitely gives them depth at the winger spot where, you know, really they only have Randall Leal as, right. a, as another winger. So it, hurt, it certainly helps. Um, and, and yes, Baji has played on the wing. Uh, a, a common layout are pretty much your only wingers aside from Wheel. Uh, but it just seems like a com has has not really been able to. You're, for, you're forgetting someone. You're forgetting a USL based. Taylor Washington is not a winger. I'm talking about uh, Alan, Alan Wynn. Wynn. I will excuse me, Alan Wynn. Alan Wynn, Alan Wynn. Is a winger, but my goodness, the reason why I didn't mention him or I, I, I do admit I did forget him but there's a reason why it's because he's not an MLS starting caliber winner that's just the reality of it he's a depth guy and Alex Mule is he's better than Alan Wynn uh... he's a lot more he, Alan Wynn is there's not, there's not a coincidence that Alan Wynn I mean excuse me that Alex Mule has been titled as a defensive winger is because He's certainly a guy who has an engine. He, 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 his fitness is, is stout. It's, it's great. Uh, he's a guy who can get in and get a tackle. He can win the ball. He's a guy who you can depend on to win the ball in, in dangerous areas up front, pressing the opposition back line, and can start a counterattack. Instead of starting it at midfield, you can start it in the attacking third. He can do that. Now, Alan Wynn certainly is much faster. He is – a guy who is you know, certainly, you know, tries to take players on. We saw that from his MLS debut all the way on. Um, but Alex Muehl is, 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 is a starter. He's sure. proven himself. He, I mean, he, he's been in a New York Red Bulls side who's made the playoffs consistently. <laughs> and he's, I'm, I'm just giving you a hard time. Okay, now I'm, just, Alan I'm just making sure. I'm just yeah. Making sure. But um, he obviously he's, he's the guy who's, you know, until Cadiz comes in, he's really – Nashville's one signing that's kind of done something in terms of an addition. Um, where do you see Nashville SC's, I guess, doings, their deeds, uh, as it pertains to the rest of this season going into the offseason? Do you think that they've done enough uh, by your standards to secure a playoff spot and perhaps win the play-in round and get into the first round of the MLS Cup playoffs? 
Well, that's the trouble, I think, of, of you know, you, you put Yannick Cadiz in a situation where he's here until the end of the 21, 2021 season uh, with the loan. So if he isn't immediately the, you know, if we get into a, you know, assuming this is a normal season, right, we could be in the same situation that we thought Nashville SC was going to be in this year in terms of they get to July and there's still not a proven striker in the, in the, in the side. Now, obviously, even if, if, if Cadiz has a, a tremendous showing, you know, including the, first, the last six or seven games of this year and then the first three months of next year's season, that hopefully is is an opportunity for Natural SC not only to to benefit from that, but also to somehow keep him or figure out a way to to get him to to be here permanently. Um, but other than that, you know, I think um, I think you're still looking at wingers, right? I think I think you definitely need think, a Cam winger. Um, yeah, I think that's that that's been the the part that's been missing. Um, if, if David Akam isn't the, the guy that Gary Smith wants, I think that's got to be a part of it. you, you got to think that Leal and Mukhtar are the guys. But even then, we're talking about guys that haven't really produced this year. And, is it, and, and another question that you have to have is how much of this year's production can you chalk up to not being a normal season? Like what does – how does this year's production – and these numbers, because again, there's unless you're Daniel Rios, nobody scored more than one goal. So how do you put that into context? Uh, this this year's production, how do you put that into context into what you how do you need um, what you need next year? That's really the the question that Mike Jacobs and Gary Smiths are Gary Smith's going to have to answer. I think that they might need to go looking for. Another central midfielder. If they do, you think that they're happy with the way Derek Jones has fared? Has fared so far? I don't know. I don't know if he. Uh, that Gary Smith certainly said that he has, you know, been able to understand that Derek Jones has very much been uh, frustrated at times with how sure. he has uh, kind of found himself in the game, and on multiple occasions. Now with Derek, it, I think it's more about getting consistent minutes. And I think how do you how do you how does he find that in this midfield though? Well, Derek Jones is, is tough, well. right? He seems he seems very much he can be the destroyer. Yeah, you know, he's 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 he 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 can help with uh, I, I you know Anibal Godoy and and kind of relieving Anibal Godoy. But Derek Jones is a guy who he also I know it was in, it's it's in USL, but. He's a guy who can who can be some somebody who could probably get into the box, sit on the edge of the box, uh, and, and and try to try to find goals. But you know, it, it's tough in this particular line because do you put him in the number ten? I mean, obviously they they've shown him to you know when they when they switch things around, especially as substitutions are coming to coming into play. Um, he's he's kind of been up there as a number ten. He did it in preseason. He's done it this season, uh, but it just doesn't seem like he has a fit. 
And I think that comes with, with, with game time, but also the right partnerships in the middle. You can't have somebody, you can't have somebody who's already, you know, I think he fits more when you already have another destroyer in there. Like if you have a Brian Anunga in there, or if you have Anibal Godoy with Jones in there, um, you know, Anibal Godoy has said he likes playing box to box as well, but you know, I think he's, he's much better in that regard. Um, you know, but it, it's tough, right? I, I do think that, yeah, you could probably find another another guy, but you're not going to go out and find a marquee signing. And, and sure. Nobody, nobody's going to play that, ahead that of wouldn't, That wouldn't be ideal for Nashville. I right. think in terms of the starting, the starters, I think they very much have a good central midfield and one of the, one of the best. Um, sure. I certainly think that in this winter, they should be looking for a Tam winger. Yeah, no, I agree. Obviously, Maxi Romero has been up there um, and, you know, maybe going down to South America and finding another winger, finding another, you know, young 21 to 25-year-old winger who can, who's got pace, who's got dribbling, technical skill. But what they need more is somebody – they need another Leal who's willing to put more shots on goal. Leal has been the shots leader, the shots on goal leader this pretty much this entire season. And there's not really anyone who comes close. Um, obviously, Rios, as you said, he's got two goals and everyone else who's got on the scoring sheet has got one. They need somebody to put more shots on target. Gary Smith has said the same thing over the past three weeks, that the problem is not chances. The problem is not getting in good areas. The problem is testing the goalkeeper enough in any given game. And so that's, that's what they need. They need another Leal coming in. If Leal prefers to play on the left, Go get a right winger, someone who is who is you know someone who maybe likes to cut in on his left and likes to cut in from the right on and go into left and put more shots on target, or someone who likes to beat folks down the line and put crosses into the box, or or and someone fluid too, someone who can play as a number ten as well, someone who can play along that attacking midfield line across the board. Um, that's what they need, and I think that doesn't come until January. But again, going going back on to sounds like you think that they need Messi. Messi. Yeah, <laughs> they, they, they certainly need a winger, but preferably not someone who's gonna cost them their entire wage. And uh, you know, also someone who's probably a little bit younger. Although Messi's probably wow. I think I think Messi Breaking news, Drake Hill says Messi is too old for Nashville SC. Hey, I'm just oh, saying Oh my goodness. I'm just saying, I mean, once once Messi decides to dip out of Europe, he's probably gonna be I think he'll be thirty six by then. Old man Messi. Wow. Old man Messi. Okay. Now to close well, it then, to close it, we do we do have a game to to preview and to get a scoring prediction. So, New England Revolution hosting Nashville SC Saturday. What's your score prediction? 1-1. One, 1-1. One. One, one. You, you yeah. can oh, Wow. Yeah, I don't uh, – it's going to be like – you know, like I said with the uh, with the uh, D.C. United game, and, and obviously they got a little, a little fortunate that uh, D.C. went down to 10 men uh, and you also probably feel like they're a little unfortunate for not getting the full three points in their last game against. They should have won that game. National yeah. C should have won that game. Very, very disappointing final 15 minutes from them to uh, concede the goal 
and to concede all that pressure that they did, it really didn't seem like uh, it, it seemed out of character for this team. You know, I know that that they were probably pretty pretty wore out by the time of that the final half hour of that game, but still. That was that. Hopefully, you don't look back at that and say that's two points that they really needed. And they did. They would have. Oh no, they did. I agree with that. The reality is, New England Revolution and Nashville Sea are buddy buddies in the Eastern Conference right now, sitting on top of each other um, in the Eastern Conference. The reality is, if Nashville Sea would have beat Houston one nil at home last Saturday and not given up that ninety-minute goal, they would have jumped to fifth. In the Eastern Conference. Fifth. At the time. At the time. At that time. At the time time of Saturday afternoon before the rest of the plate had had finished, they would have jumped to fifth at that time. Now now they would have been eighth at this point, but they're still tied for eighth with Montreal. Um, But you're also talking about your four points now away from the New York City and New York Red Bull and five away from – Exactly. And the way I see it is not necessarily how it how how that how that would have fit, you know, then or even right now. Right. It's but later it on playoffs. Yeah. You want to avoid. I mean, if Nashville see if you can if you could avoid. First of all, it would be a tremendous accomplishment, and you'd be the sixth team, I believe, in MLS history to make the playoffs in your first year. Uh, you've got let's see, Chicago Fire, Miami Fusion, Seattle Sounders, Atlanta United. LAFC. So 16, you would have been the sixth team in MLS history to make the playoffs in, you know, the first year. And they very well could be that still um, in this new format, but you would even prove it even more if you could get out of the play-in round. And you right. can get, let's say they get sixth in the East. You'll, you'll go up, I assume they would go up against uh, the three seed, which wow, what, who would that be? I, I'm pretty sure let me check my math here. As of right now, they would be going to Toronto. Now, you know, obviously, New England Revolution, they're fifth right now. They, before that, they have been buddy-buddy with Nashville SC in the standings. New England sit fifth on 21 points, and five wins, six draws, three losses. Nashville in good four, form, too. five on 16 points in eighth. Now, you know, the way I see their schedule, if you can get to that sixth spot, which I think is, you know, most certainly very possible, uh, especially if you can stay unbeaten at home. I mean, that would be ideal. But I will agree to close out this episode, Nick, 1-1 draw at Gillette Stadium Saturday. Hani Mukhtar, I think, is the goal scorer. And he's going to have to be – they're going to have to be the ones to produce chances no matter where they're playing. and the, 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 They're going to have to have the burden while – you know, just out of sheer numbers. Well, so. let's hope the Gillette Stadium turf is favorable to these guys who already are limping. Oh, man, I didn't even think about that. And now you got me. Oh, no. Yeah, that's going to be tough. Do they have any other games on uh, artificial turf? They, they obviously, Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta is Yeah, but turf. going forward, is Montreal is not on – well, Montreal is at Red Bull Arena, so they're okay. So you're good there. One of the best fields. That's right. So I think they're after this game, they're pretty well clear of that. That's good yeah, they're, to know. They're pretty much cleared. I mean, Chicago Fire. They do play at Soldier Field, which is another NFL stadium. But that's uh, but in Nashville. Soldier Field is, Soldier Field is grass. Yeah. So 
that that's good to hear um, just to get past this game, hopefully with the result and hopefully with nobody else getting injured. Indeed. Well, I've been your co-host, Drake Hills, Nick Gray. Thank you so much. I salute to you, even though I cannot see you on the Zoom call. This has been Plugged In, Episode 16, a National Soccer Podcast. We'll see you next week. Go listen to Spirit of the Blues.